Hey, all you Theosciples! I'm, I'm Michael. Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David, David and, and Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Right here at gctnetwork.com. Your, your Great, Great Commission, Commission Transmission. Transmission. It's the Theonauts. Episode 147. The one where David does simple math. The Theonauts Podcast. <laughs> Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theotriptics out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. David, I am totally jealous of your bouncy ball yeah. chair. Yeah. That's epic. For those of you who don't have <laughs> eyes in the studio, David is just bouncing up and down on his bouncy ball chair. And over here I am <laughs> sitting in my normal chair doing nothing. Yeah, don't bounce in that chair. Totally. I'm trying not to, <laughs> but I might just end up doing it and then I'm going to owe you a chair. That's the way it works. <laughs> Anyways, how you doing, Dave? Awesome, man. Good. Doing pretty good. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Crazy as all get out, but hey, that's life. It's Friday. Yeah. It is Friday. Woo! Which means we're behind. Oh. But hey. Woo! <laughs> I had a great day today. Better late than never. You 90% did. of my class was gone. <laughs> oh, that's right. For like most of the day, so. You were preparing for the next episode. That's right. So I was getting my notes lined up for Sola Scriptura, which I don't feel like I'm going to do near as good as you could have done, but we'll try it anyway. Probably the same I could say for this one. So yeah. Well, <laughs> well, that was nice of you. <laughs> but you know what? Because that was the original plan. Yeah. We've... You had Sola uh, Christus and I had Sola Scriptura. Yeah. But uh, we... life had a thing and we... Life had other plans. Yeah. I had a fall. So fest, you completely you know. abandoned me last week. Yeah, and you're completely abandoning me this week. So <laughs> it makes up for it. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm yeah. not mad. I'm not mad. Do the whole thing. Yeah. You're just gonna miss out. I know. Yeah. Hey, you, you, I missed out <laughs> greatly. And I know that. Every time. Man, it's nice to go to a church where when you're gone for one Sunday, it is like pulling teeth because you really want to get back. Yes. Because you love your people so much, and you love what's going on at your and church. to be honest, I'm gone, like, so little because of that. Yeah. Like, there are so many things I could be doing. Right. Like, could be going to or whatever, and I just won't. Because it just eats at me. Like, yeah. I can't leave. Yep. My church! That's, my- <laughs> I feel like that's the way it should be. Yes. That's so awesome. I love it. Yeah. Gosh. That, that is such a cool feeling. And it's like, it, a lot of people just don't get that. Yeah. Like, and even people I know are like, you know, well, you know, well, you come visit my church or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but then I, that would mean I'd be away from my church. Exactly. <laughs> this is so special. Yeah. So we love well, you guys. We're all way. one church. That's right. But our local still, congregation, our, yes. our family, yeah, our family. And that's really what it's about, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So if you don't have a family like that, go find a family. <coughs> yeah, come be part of ours. Oh, don't care. yeah. yeah move right. down here. Yes. North Texas would love you. That's right. We'll find you a job. Yeah, the weather right now. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, it is, isn't it? 75, 80 oh degrees, gosh. man. 
<clears throat> I love going out on the playground. It's my favorite thing right now. Ugh. Yeah. I can go do it. And I'll, I'll get done with this. I'll probably go lay in the hammock out there. At, of course you will. At the at the place. Uh-huh. And it's, <sighs> nice night. So good. Amen. And you got me you got me like hooked on Switchfoot switch this past week or so. Sing to me a song of the stars. When I look at the stars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's that's great, John Foreman. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah, and, and that song like talks to me. Yeah. Like that's that's me. Like yeah. when he says, When I look at the stars, I see who I am. Like yeah. that's me. Like wow. Uh, I love that song. And have you ever seen the music video to that song? No. They're like, they must have had a great time filming it because it's like the band playing the song mm-hmm. and there's all these stars in the background, it's cool stuff. But they they did it like with a green screen or something and they actually were performing underwater. Like they're all, un, they're all floating. Wow. And their hair is floating and there's bubbles coming out their mouth. But it looks like... They're not in water. It looks like they're in space. Wow. So <laughs> it's just really, 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 really cool. Video. You know my favorite uh, Switchfoot music video? Not This podcast is not about Switchfoot, but <laughs> my favorite Switchfoot video, music video, it's just it's a comical one, but basically what it is is, you know Buster from Arrested Development? Yeah. Yeah, he's in it. <laughs> and basically what it is is he comes home from work and he takes his tie off and puts it around his head like a bandana and goes uh-huh. to this makeshift TV thing and he starts playing Guitar Hero against <laughs> this other guy and he's like just going nuts playing guitar. It's hilarious. It's so funny. What song is that? Uh, Awakening, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. Here we are yeah, yeah. now with the phone. Yeah, it's yeah. a good song. Anyways. So, so much for us uh, geeking out on Switchfoot. Yeah. <laughs> Should we geek out on some uh, Sola Christos? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do that. Part three, yes, of a five-part series. Woohoo! We are moving through the month of October, leading up to the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Yes, the 500th anniversary <laughs> of a day that a crazy monk went even crazier, took out a nail and some hammer, took out a hammer and some <laughs> nails, and went and nailed a piece of parchment to the Wittenberg door. Yes. And it was the 95... I got pieces. 95 problems. And the Catholic Church is <laughs> a major problem. And the Pope. It's the Pope. He's the problem. So, you know. So we've been moving through this. We have been. The, the, the five pillars, you might say, the five solas of the Reformation. Um, so we started with sola gratia, sola fide. Now we're up to solus Christus. Yes. So... Um, just a refresher, all these things are working alone, but they're together. Right. And that sometimes confuses people. But Because it's sola, which means only, mm-hmm. right? So how can you have five onlys? But so far we've shown that these are working together. So we started with sola gratia, it was mm-hmm. so, uh, grace alone, Yeah. Um, by faith alone. So grace is uh, the, the way what that we God, get. That what we get, Precisely. faith is the means at which we get it, Yes. right? And now we're we're on to our third one. It's not just faith; it's faith in 
Christ. Christ alone. Amen. Like you can have all the faith in the world, but if it ain't Christ that you're having faith in, it's doesn't, pointless. Doesn't do you any good. That's right. So that's yeah. That's so that's how they work alone. They work alone in their own office. Yes. But they but it all works together, and so I, I think if, if you I don't know if you think about it, it's really kind of brilliant because it's so simple and so like it's concise and it's. It nails every aspect, pretty right. much, of salvation. Right. And so so today we're going to be talking about solus Christus and how salvation is in Christ alone. And um, so I, uh, we've been quoting Martin Luther a lot this month, and we'll yes. probably continue to. That's right. Uh, I'm going to throw out a Martin Luther quote about this. He says, I must listen to the gospel. It tells me not what I must do but what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done for me. So it's about turning the focus. It's not on me. It's It's on Christ. Amen. And so that's kind of the heart of Solus Christus. And that it's about, you know, we mentioned faith. We kind of teased in the the Sola Fide about what is saving faith. And one of the things we mentioned was that it is objective and not subjective. Right. So it's not about you, it's about the object of the sentence, uh, who you're having the faith in, and that's what Solus Christus is all about. Amen. Now, if you go to the web, and I was talking about this with Jeremiah uh, yesterday, we were talking about this, it's like you go to the web and you start, because you're preparing sermons on this stuff or podcasts on it, and you go see what everybody else is teaching about it, right? Yeah. Let's go pull up some other guy's sermon and but you know you start going through the web and you type in solus Christus and you get all these sermons and I started going through the outlines and I'm like okay what you're saying is true I mean everything they're teaching in those in their sermons are true but it's not in my opinion what solus Christus was about like uh, almost every sermon is going to be either based on John 14 and 6 I am the way the truth of life no, no one comes to the father but by me okay. True statement, but uh, or this one, this verse here that uh, I'm actually going to use as well. But uh, that's Acts four verses eleven through twelve, which says, "This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name oh. under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So this is uh, Peter giving a defense to why he's arrested uh, for teaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. And he's basically telling the Jews that have arrested him, look, you guys goofed up, and I'm here to tell you Jesus is the only name. They, they said, stop teaching about Jesus. And he's like, no, this is the only name I can teach. Right. And so um, so almost every Solus Christus sermon, sermon you'll find, will, will use this as the cornerstone. <laughs> right. Of the... <laughs> nice. <laughs> of the sermon. And so, um, th- which is fine, but when you start looking at it, uh, the problem that brought Martin Luther and the reformers to using solus Christus in the solas isn't that there were other names besides Christ people were calling on. 
So we could go through a bunch of scriptures that talk about Jesus being the only way, and that's fine, it's all true, but it doesn't really have to do with what the Reformation was about, because if you stop and think about it, every Christian faith that bears Jesus' name, Christian, right? Right. Is not going to disagree with you when you go to John 14 and 6. Yeah. Or Acts 4 and 11 and through 12. They're none, none of them. Right, absolutely. Like, they're all going to be on the same page with you. So it's like some of these sermons are like, okay, but what's the problem? Why, why is this an issue then? Yeah, because, uh, you know, if you go to the Pope, if you would have gone to the Pope back, you know, mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Is there Mark- any other name by which we can be saved, Mr. Pope? Well, I mean, it's one of their, it's, it's actually one of their dogmas. Yeah. No, Jesus Christ is the only name. Under heaven, well, now they may have changed a little bit with Mary, but <laughs> well, some of that though is kind of unspoken, though. Yes, it's not. But their their official doctrine <clears throat> is no. There's no other name under under heaven by which we can be saved. It's not like Martin Luther was rebelling against Muslims, right? Or right? Or, or Buddhist or Buddhist or any other religion. Hindus or he was any. rebelling against a a Christian religion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the problem then? Martin, yeah. uh, which makes you make the statement Christ only, and the the kicker is the only is the alone part. That's the kicker. So, for example, you made a good point actually whenever you brought up Mary, mm-hmm. because if you're putting any faith in Mary at all, you're taking away from Jesus because it's not Jesus only. Yes, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with loving Mary or anything like that but when but if she becomes part of the salvation the uh, uh, the gospel the gospel then all of a sudden it's not Christ alone anymore. that's right and so it's it's this whole additive issue that was the problem yeah. that that it was being taught remember most of Martin Luther's 95 uh, theses had to do with um Indulgences, almost yeah. all of them. I mean, I mean, his big beef was the indulgence thing, right? At the beginning, that was his <clears throat> primary, primarily only beef, right? Was the indulgences, and thing. so think about what the indulgences were. They were Christ plus. Okay, yeah, we're saved by Christ, but we can get you to heaven if you pay these indulgences. We can get you out of purgatory. We can, you know, there was all these these additional. Right structures put into place that were tied to salvation, and that's what his whole point was: is that no, S- salvation is not your faith in these indulgences. It's not your faith in the church. It's not your faith in the pope. It's not your faith in any of that stuff. It's only your faith in Christ. Right, and so that's the the kicker, and so that's why in our study of this. We're not necessarily going to talk about how there's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved as much as we're going to be talking about, yes, let's start on that common ground and say, okay, let's make sure we're not adding anything to Christ. Sure. Because the minute you add to him, you steal from him. And uh, so B.B. Warfield, I got a quote here by him. He says, the saving power of faith resides thus not in itself, but in the almighty Savior on whom it rests. Hmm. So what's he saying? Same thing we said last week. Saving faith is objective and not subjective. Right. The faith itself is not the point. 
It is what you have the faith in, and it has to be in Jesus alone. And so even if you were to ask people, almost every Christian religion is our salvation in Christ alone, they'd probably even still agree with you. Right. But their practices and their dogmas and their hang-ups might say something else. And because actions speak louder than words, right? And sometimes we get so focused on the stuff and the other things that surround Christianity sure. that we can lose sight of who it's all about. Amen. So, uh, historically, uh, let's talk about the things that made us lose sight of Jesus. Yes. So, we have uh, law, and we talked about that last week, but I want to talk a little about it again this week because. It was a common problem in the early church. Sure, it was a common problem in the time of, of Augustine. It was a, it was a problem in the time of Martin Luther. It's a problem now. I mean, there's this is an ongoing battle battle between law and you know or works or you know whatever and faith in Christ alone. Right. So um, so we got law. We got also have religion, which is a little different. So religion can get in the way of Jesus, actually. Right. And that's why you see this religion-free movements and stuff like that. And I don't want to get into the debate about, you know, you know, I don't need religion, I got Jesus, or, you know, whatever. But in general, religion can get in the way. I just want to make sure that everyone realizes sure, that. Sure, absolutely. And so uh, a good example is in the time of Martin Luther, the indulgences, the confessionals. Uh, even our modern day, the traditions that we're under that we do, sometimes we get so hung up on them yeah. that we actually end up treating people like they're unsaved if they're not doing this tradition. Well, yeah, and you gotta you gotta understand during Martin Luther's time how the severity of this. Mm-hmm. If you were a peasant or if, if you were anybody a Christian during Martin Luther's time, there was one thing and one thing that saved you only: being a member faithful practicing member of the catholic church Mm -hmm. meaning that you went to mass you did communion right you you went to confession yeah you gave money you were married in the church you did the sacraments yeah and every sunday they believed in fact you have we have writings of priests and monks who say that salvation is wrapped up in the Mass, mm-hmm. in the actual performance yeah. of the Mass. So the, literally, the service yeah. was your salvation mm-hmm. back then. Right. And if you didn't do that, then you weren't, you weren't that's, saved. And that's definitely not Christ alone. That's no. Christ plus a bunch of other stuff. Oh, yeah. And if we, if we also move forward a, a little bit, uh, because you're you're hitting on exactly what my third point is. And Sorry, no, it's perfect because it's, <laughs> it worked into it. And that is the third thing that can get in the way is church itself. So aside from the religion and the practices, we have this hang up about church. So it's like if the if the if you're not coming through the doors, we automatically assume you're on the fast track to hell. Like we automatically assume. <laughs> yeah. That you're not saved anymore or, or weren't saved to begin with or whatever you, yeah. you want to put a, a, a moniker on it. And it's like the church itself has become sometimes the focus instead of Jesus. Well, not only that, I mean, as, as Christians, we look at this and we go, okay, are you a good practicing Christian? Well, I go to church, so I'm good. 
Yeah. And that's the idea, right? Yeah. We, we boil down our Christian walk to going to church on Sunday. And we do exactly, like, even even if you're not getting judged that way, so you, put, you judge yourself that way. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, well, I better go to church. You know, I really should do it. <laughs> I haven't been in a couple of weeks. And, you know... It's be, my good Christian duty. Yeah, good for my soul. And so you go, and then you walk out of the building going... Feeling good because Look you at did. What I've done. Yes, I'm a Christian, and I'm okay. And don't get us wrong; we're not saying anything derogatory or bad about going to church because I believe it is very important to be in communion uh, with one yeah, another. Yeah, and anybody that wants to know our belief on that, go back and listen to some past podcasts. Yeah. So <laughs> we're so we're big on church. Yeah. But don't let it get in the way of Jesus. Like it's still. Salvation isn't found in the building. Salvation isn't found in you walking through these doors on Sunday morning. Salvation is found in your relationship with who you have faith in, and that is in Jesus. Mm. And that can happen on a desert island all alone with no church. That's right. Is that the best place for it to happen? No, definitely not. Right. And your, 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 um, your sanctification will be hindered by not being with other believers, but salvation itself, the justification, is found in Jesus alone, and so we got to make sure we don't let church get in the way, um, which is uh, is kind of weird to say that, but it traditionally has happened, and it's still happening, I believe. So if we look at some scriptures here, uh, talk about law again just for a second. Sure. And that was like the first one we were looking at. So Colossians 2 Verses uh, 16 to 17 says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you with respect to food or drink or in the matter of a feast, a new moon, or Sabbath days. These are only the shadow of things to come. And I love what he says here. But the reality is Christ. Hmm. Okay, so what is he telling the Colossians here? He's, is he saying law's bad? No, that's not what he's saying. Is he saying, stop doing your Sabbaths? No, he's not really saying that. Is he saying, stop doing the feast? Or, no, he's not saying, stop doing anything. What he's saying is, he says, don't let anyone judge you in respect to these matters. In other words, your judgment isn't tied to these practices. Mm. So, this is all law. This was all, these are all things that were commanded to them. Amen. Sabbath day, that's right there in the Ten Commandments, right? right? And it says, but don't let anybody judge you in this, because these are simply shadows of something bigger. And that reality is Christ. Amen. So Christ trumps it all. Right. Like, he's, like he is the fulfilling of all of that. And he says as much on the Sermon on the Mount. Sure. And people want to focus on the part where he says, until all is uh, accomplished... <laughs> You know, there's the, not one jot or tittle <laughs> will be we'll removed. Pass away. Yeah. Will move from the law, and um, but they don't continue to read where he says he is the fulfilling of that. Like that, yes, what he says is a true statement, but he fulfilled it all. Right. Like at the cross, that he spoke that sermon before he went to the cross. Right. And. <clears throat> so he is the greater good here. He's the the fulfilling of it all. He's the one who kept all the things here so Perfectly. that so that when you screw up and don't keep one of them, he already did it. Right. And so yes, it has to be all about Christ and not about 
law. Amen. And yes, you could, this is Old Testament law, but we can apply this to any legalism that we get hung up in. Sure. And we all, every generation has its new set of legalisms. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. And every version of the church has its set of legal. Don't cuss, don't drink, what do you do? Exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm dating myself. That's nice. Adam and the Ants. <laughs> I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> really? Goody two-shoes? <laughs> Yakety yak, what are you? like? That was 80s. That was, okay, whatever. I forgot. <laughs> 80s. Yeah. I was born in 82, David. 82. <laughs> that was the day I was born. <sighs> yeah. Okay. You're old. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> okay, so uh, moving on, going back to religion. Uh-huh. Okay, so religion can get in the way. And, and so not just the law. I mean, the law is like, okay, you might say, I'm not hung up on religion, but I'm hung up on, you know, the commandments. So that's law when you're doing that. But there's also all these other things that we do that are religious. And religion, really, if you think about it, the definition of religion is really about working your way to God. Right. The things that you do so that you can be in God's favor or be in his good graces or whatever phrase you want to use. Um, And so it's kind of a sad thing that the term religion is even wrapped around Christianity Hmm. because he didn't come to create a religion. He came to save the world. Right, absolutely. And... Uh, the term religion, in fact, is only used a couple times in the New Testament, and it's even used almost in a derogatory way in the book of James, when he's like, if any man considers himself religious, (laughs) tongue-in-cheek, he needs to bridle his tongue and go visit orphans and go, you know, (laughs) because otherwise his religion is in vain. This is true religion. So it's almost like James is being very facetious about sure. this term religion um, and saying, you know, it's not about uh, it's not about the ornate um, trappings of your faith. It's about your loving performance, and that's that's what shows your faith. True religion is, yeah, yeah. So anyway, if we look at at uh, some other scriptures here, Hebrews is one of the best places to camp on yeah. Solus scriptus, uh, Christus. Mm-hmm. Because what's it all about, Jeremiah? What's Hebrews telling us? Christ is greater than the angels. Christ is greater than the priests, right? Yeah. Christ uh, basically... Better than Aaron. Christ he's, is better than everybody. He's better sacrifice. Everything. He's yeah. a better priest. He's right. a better, I mean, everything. Like, right. that's the whole point, is you guys love your stuff. Christ is it. Yeah. So the basis of the of the book of Hebrews is that these believers were slipping back into traditionalism. Yeah. Re- religion of, of, of Judaism. And the writer is telling them, stop it. See here? Jesus said, stop, stop it. it. <laughs> I know I got that. Stop it. Somewhere. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, stop it. <laughs> so that's what the book, that's what the writer of Hebrews is, is saying. saying. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. And uh, so in it, he's basically saying, look, it ain't about all these sacrifices. It's not about your synagogue attendance. It's not about reading the scrolls. It's not about the, the so fair Torah. It's about Christ. 
And so this is a good book to go to uh, on all this stuff. So we're going to hit a, a little bit here in Hebrews 10, verse 5 through 10, uh, reading in the NET says, So when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Whole burnt offerings and sin offerings you took no delight in. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written of me in the scroll of the book to do your will, O God. Okay, so this is this is so awesome. The writer of Hebrews is quoting Psalms to tell us what Jesus is saying. Right. <laughs> so cool. So, um, but what he's what he says here is sacrifice and offerings you don't desire. Um, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings you took no delight in. Now think about that for a minute. That's religious. Those are religious things. That's that's their religion. Right. And they were commanded to do these things. Right. So why, if God told them to do those things... Did he not desire them? Why is he not desiring them? Why is he not finding delight in them? And the, the, the basis of this is because it was what he told the Colossians. It's just a shadow of, of things what... things to come. Yeah, of what God really does desire, which is you and his son using that relationship to come to him. Right. Like that's that's his desire. And so uh, and that's why he says, then I said, here I am. Like, okay, there's all those sacrifices and stuff you're doing. There's all that those religious trappings. But look at me. <laughs> here I am. And I'm going to do all this. I have come. The whole book is written of me. That's so awesome to me. The whole Bible is... Is Jesus? Yes, I'm going to speak on that next week, so don't don't ruin that. Okay, well, <laughs> but absolutely, I won't go too far into that. But but exactly, that's exactly what he's saying here. The entire book is written of me. I'm on every single page. I'm in every single story. That's right there, I am there. And so, why are you using all these writings to go over here mm. and just focus on the trappings and the performances? And the legalisms, instead of focusing on what it's all about anyway, it's all about me. Yes. And so this is a perfect passage for Solus Christus. Right. It's telling, it's telling us, Jesus himself is telling you, look at me. I'm the guy. <laughs> like, I'm the one. Yeah. And it's just me. Yeah. It's, I'm alone in this. I, Martin Luther, a quote. That I'm going to pull out next week again, so I'll just throw in it. Okay. Uh, he spoiler says, alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. He says, the Bible is the cradle where Jesus was laid. Mm. That's awesome. <laughs> is that not an amazing <laughs> I love Martin quote. Luther. <laughs> <laughs> Here I stand. I can do no other. Okay, so so good. Uh, if we continue to yes. to read through here, he says, when he says, and of course, this is the writer of Hebrews now trying to explain to you. <laughs> What he just quoted right. out of Psalms, he says, when he says above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor did you take delight in them, which are offered according to the law. So he's reminding them, okay, this was part of the law. Right. He says, then, said, then he says, here am I, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first to establish the second. By his will, we've been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Mm. In other words, Jesus 
alone. Amen. He's like all these. He's like it had the first had to be done away with because if it if it hadn't been done away with, it's not Jesus alone. That's right. The first had to be done away with so that the second could be established, and the second is Jesus. And so it's saying he was established, and the rest of it was made null and void because he is everything. And so this whole, I love the way he phrases it here, because he basically says Christ alone, right there in the last passage. He says, uh, by his will, we have been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for For all. all. Amen. So I love that. Powerful. Okay, so the the next one we talked about was church. So church can get in the way oh, yeah. of, of our understanding, and we talked about how it could how that could happen. And it goes all the way back to the first century here. Once again, the letter to, to the Colossians. Uh, Paul's writing here, Colossians 2, 20 to 23. In the NET, says, If you have died with Christ to the elemental spirits of the world, why do you submit to them as though you lived in the world? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use, founded as they are on human commands and teachings. Even though they have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and false humility achieving or achieved by the unsparing treatment of the body, a wisdom with no value. They, in reality, result in fleshly indulgence. Okay, so, (laughs) man, does that not nail Martin Luther's issue? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So he's saying church can be a problem here. He's saying that uh, you're getting caught up on the trappings of the church. The church might tell you, don't handle this, don't touch this, don't do that, don't do this. He's like, that's all good stuff, and it looks good, and it's moral, but he says, these are all destined to perish with use. Mm. The stuff you're, you're telling us not to touch, you know, is going to rot. It's going to go away. It's not in the eternity. It has no power. Right. Um, he's like, all this stuff is going to go away, even though they have the appearance of wisdom and self-imposed worship. I love the way that's phrased. Self-imposed worship. Mm. So it's like, how much of this is a show? How much of this is, is, well, if I don't go to church, someone's going to ask me. Right. And that happens, right? Hmm, we sure missed you last Sunday. <laughs> Everything okay? How's your faith? <laughs> you know, where were you last week? You know, yeah. and we get real prying and that sort of stuff. And there's good intentions behind all that, so don't don't get me wrong. But at the same time, we're, we don't stop to think about what we're actually imposing. Right. And... So, you know, is self-imposed worship, or is it really about Christ? Because worshiping Him can happen out there in my hammock, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be absolutely in the doors of that building on those days. right? Um, and again, not taking anything away from that, just saying, let's not put so much emphasis on it that we lose sight of who it's all about. And uh, so it says, they in reality result in fleshly indulgence. Mm. And I don't know if it's if it's just uh, irony that this word indulgence is being used both in this context and in the context in which Martin Luther, because it's both talking about church indulging in things of the flesh 
instead of focusing on the things of the Spirit, right. which is Christ. And so anyway, mm. that's... Um, so basically, the church can get in the way. Right. We just have to be. We have to just keep focused on the right thing, and so those are historically how we've lost sight of Jesus. But there's also modern things too, things that they, that Martin Luther didn't have to deal with necessarily. But we are over here in Western uh, Americanized Christianity. We've got a whole new set of crazy things that can take our eye off the ball. Oh, absolutely. And so, so okay, so issues. Is one of the things that, that can take our eye off the ball. We got politics, social arguments, patriotism. Okay, Woo! so be careful now. <laughs> you might be stepping on some toes. God, guns, and you know whatever. But <laughs> that is so true. That honestly, um, <clears throat> if I could just gripe a little bit, yeah, I you know so much emphasis put on being a patriot in mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. That we somehow equate that with religion, right? Like it's a, it's being being American automatically makes you a Christian, <laughs> and if you stand for that pledge and you hold your hand over your heart, and and I'm not you know I'm not condemning either side with the NFL junk or what, but what, what I'm saying is you have to be a red blooded American to be a Christian. Almost, yeah. That's the kind. Of, that's the way we. And we you, look at it. You have to, you know, sing the song "I'm proud to be an American." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's a it's a religious thing to the, to the point where if we don't do uh, Veterans Day at our church, people get angry mm-hmm. because somehow we've not done God right in celebrating our veterans, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with Christianity. Yeah. At all. And see again. Don't don't take our message wrong. We're not saying there's anything wrong with being patriotic. I'm patriotic. I love yeah. my country. I'm proud of my country, and and uh, you know, and I, I honor my veterans absolutely. But you got to remember, there's a bigger kingdom. That's right, and it doesn't stop at the borders of our country. No, and uh, and I think that's part of of the issue. But you know, even that. I mean, even within our country, right? I mean, it's like, well, you can't be a Christian and vote that way. I mean, right? I mean, we sure, absolutely. We start dividing, and your, I've said that before. Your salvation is tied to your voting habits, right? Okay, so it's Christ plus your voting habits. I mean, wh- where do you start drawing? Where do you start adding to Christ in all of this, right? And yeah. so, what about the social arguments and the you know the we've got this these days? It's the whole gender confusion sure. stuff. I mean, there's just. We we are like so full of social problems that we we judge your salvation based on your maybe your rhetoric or whatever. And I mean, it's just like there's things that get in the way. Sure, there's issues that get sure. in the way. Denominationalism. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Which Luther started, by the way. Thanks, Luther. <laughs> So you know, he was quoted saying, if a church ever wore my name, I'd be appalled. Yeah. <laughs> we should put that on the Lutheran church. Sorry. No, so, sorry. <laughs> but um, production value is another thing I think can get in the way. Huh. Because how much do we focus on programs, performances, our social relativism as a church? You know, I mean, hey, brah. 
What are you studying these days? You know, I mean, we want to speak the language of the kids. We want to be, you know, dab. <laughs> you don't even know what that is, do you? Uh, oh, of course I do. Okay. I just can't do it. <laughs> I just saw you try to. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, hang on. It's like this, right? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Good See? job. It's nice. But I'm behind a microphone, so it's more of a... Yeah. I don't know. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what were you saying? So just... Uh, our our culture as a church can get in the way because we get so focused on how we're relating or how we're performing or whatever that maybe we're we're losing sight of who we're worshiping or who we're building these programs for. Right. And I think you know we were talking about uh, Switchfoot. Switchfoot. John Foreman has a great song about that. Um, it's not a show, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and was it, it who's he quoting Malachi? No, it's one of the Old Testament prophets mm-hmm. where he's like, "I hate all your yeah." Instead, let there be a flood of justice, you know, mm-hmm. and then the pr- procession of li- righteous living. And again, doesn't mean you can't have some production value in your <laughs> sure in your service. But what we're saying is, don't let it take control of of your vision um, because it, okay. And here's one that's a, a big one, but it's, it hits close to home and that sort of thing. Theology. Mm-hmm. Theology can get in the way of Jesus because when we get so caught up in our isms and our doctrinal uh, stances, and our doctrinal stances and our creeds and all these statements of faith and et cetera, et cetera, we get so focused on, we get in the weeds that we sometimes lose sight of the forest, right? And you know, so you're. We, in fact, it's not even a, a case of not seeing the forest for the trees. We can't see the forest because of the bark on the trees, right? Like we're like down in there. And as much as I love theology, so again, definitely nothing wrong with theology. Right. We need to be studying theology. We that's part of our sanctification. Yeah. But it's not part of our justification, mm. and that's. Where we got to make sure that Jesus isn't getting overshadowed by John Calvin yeah. or any of these other guys who have come before that have been great theologians that that have given us a lot of things to learn from. Yeah, um, prosperity gospel. Yeah, right. It's a very interesting right. one that's going on today. Yeah. So there's all kinds of things that that get in the way. Um, so w- one of the things I, I, I want to to finish up on here is how how Jesus saves alone. So whenever we talk about salvation, we talk about it in three different tenses, really. Past, present, and future. Absolutely. So lay those on us, Jeremiah. What are are our types of salvation? Justification, sanctification, glorification. Yeah, we talk about that a lot on the show. I've been saved, I'm being saved, I will be saved. Right. So, and this is things that get people all confused because yeah. they read a passage that says something about you will be saved and they confuse that with justification <laughs> right. instead of glorification. Um, so, but the cool thing is you've got these different tenses of salvation and Jesus alone serves each one. That's right. So, and, and so it, whenever you see that, whenever you realize that Jesus serves each one of these three major parts of our salvation, and there's no room for anything else. And that is what is so cool. So the number three is important in Scripture. When you see the number three, 
you're looking up, like you're looking into the throne room. Mm-hmm. There's like the three parts of the Godhead or the Trinity. You've got, uh, you've you've got when Jesus was born. How many gifts did he get? Three. And they were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And each one of those had a very important symbolic uh, meaning. Um, And even this, I I love this. Have you ever done a study on what was inside the Ark of the Covenant? So the Ark of the Covenant was the container. The Ten Commandments that Moses wrote with his hand. Uh, Aaron's rod, budded rod, manna. And manna. Okay, so there was three things yeah. in the Ark of the Covenant that they kept very sacred. Sure. Each one of those also has a very specific role and represents something. And if you look at... Oh, whoa, I'm blown away by that. Okay, so... I'm starting to think of that now. Okay, so... That's pretty clever. L- let's think about Jesus for a minute. Yeah. He is also serves us in three ways. Right. Prophet, priest, priest and king. And king. Mm. Okay, the three gifts he got at his birth, each one of them represented one of those things. King, gold, frankincense, uh, that's prophet. The, right? the no. priest, because that's, priest. that was used that's right. in, that's the, he, that's right. in the tabernacle. Um, and then so, and then myrrh was, uh, is a little vaguer, but that would be the prophet side of it. Right. And then you've got in the, in the Ark of the Covenant, you've got who's the giver of the law, the king. Yeah. Right. Who's uh, what is Aaron's bud? Who's but who's uh, Aaron the high priest? Yeah, whose staff? The high priest's staff. And then, of course, once again, ministering into the field was the manna, the manna. or the prophet giving the information, get feeding into the field. Right? right. So it's all this is tied to these three offices of prophet, priest, and king. And so, um, prophet, what does the prophet do? The prophet gives us the word of God. Mm. To live by, like, and that's that's what the prophet does. That's our sanctification. That's a that is how we are currently being saved. Right, is by the teachings that we are given to follow. Oh, so the high priest would be our justification. Right. So you've got the high priest <laughs> the who sacrifice. Was, yes, he's making the sacrifice, and th- so that's our justification. That's and then where we're made right. Amen. And the king, you live forever. Or we live under his kingdom forever. Yes, we're ushered into his, his kingdom. Sovereign kingdom. That's is our, good stuff, man. I've never heard that. Before. Is our glorification. So. Boom. So yeah, so Jesus is That's clever. Jesus is in each one of those roles to save you in one way or the other, and there's no one else doing it. No one's else. No one else is right. In. Moses was a good prophet. Okay, the word of Moses is not going to save you. Aaron was a good priest. Aaron's not dying for your the sins. sacrifice of Aaron aren't right. going to save you. And there was a lot of good kings, Solomon, David, Sarah, et cetera. None of them yeah. are the ones that we serve. Amen. And so if we look at, at, at him, so if we look at him being the prophet, I love this in Deuteronomy 18, verse 5. It says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, because this is Moses talking, from among you, from your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. <laughs> I love that. Like, how did Moses get this insight? I guess he's talking to God. He's a right. prophet. But but it's like he makes this statement, and it's kind of out of the blue. Right. One day there's going to be a prophet. Mm. He's the alone prophet. He's going to be the guy you need to listen to. Then we jump forward in time to when Jesus is actually ministering. 
in Matthew 17 and 5. He goes up into the mountain, takes a few guys with him. He starts to glow in front of them, right? In the right. transfiguration, as we call it. Right. And this happens in Matthew 17, 5. It says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my one dear son in whom I take great delight. Listen to him. Listen to him. <laughs> okay. And the cool thing is, who else was there? Oh, Peter, James, and John. No, I mean, who else was showing oh, up with Jesus? Moses <laughs> and uh, Isaiah. Elijah. Oh, Elijah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Elijah, so, not so Isaiah. So you've got Moses, the guy, <laughs> the clever. guy who spoke that and mm. said, there's a prophet coming and you must listen to him. He shows up. He's like, He's dabbing, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> there you go. And because <laughs> God is saying, "This is the guy." Right. You read about him. This guy here standing on the mountain next to him told you. Wow. Here he is. Here he is. Listen to him. He's the prophet. He's the guy who's going to be. You're going to be listening to. Wow. Christ alone is the priest. So, in Hebrews ten, going back to Hebrews once again, this whole thing. Jesus is the best of the best. He tells us in Hebrews 10, 11 through 14, and every priest stands day after day serving and offering the mm. same sacrifices again and again, sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, he sat down at the right hand of God where he is now waiting until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are made holy. Mm. Man, that's so clear. I mean, it's so direct. So he's basically saying there's been a lot of priests. There's priests out there now. All of us, we're priests and kings, right? right. We're, we're all a priest in some small office, but there's only one priest who justifies. Amen. There's only one priest who saves and that is the guy who did it one time for all and is now sitting on the right hand of God. Amen. And so it says here, it's like, for by this one offering, he is perfected for all time. So it means there's no other one. Right. He's the only one. And so we know now that Christ is alone in our justification. He's alone in our sanctification. So he's our priest and he's our prophet teaching us. And then the coolest thing is, He's sovereign. He's the king. He's the only king. Uh, so 1 Timothy 6, 13 through 16. So this is Paul basically writing to his, uh, mentoring his protege, who's going to come up and step up in, and take over things. He says, I charge you before God who gives life to all things and Christ Jesus, who made his good confession before Pontius Pilate. Okay, I want to stop there for a minute. What's he talking about? He's talking about something Jesus said to Pilate right before he was convicted. Okay, so Pilate was struggling with... Truth. With, well, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was struggling with this whole uh, uh, concept of this is an innocent man. Right. And these people want to kill him. And he's like, I can get you off the hook. If, because here's what they're here's what they're telling me. They're telling me that you're claiming to be their king, and that could actually be a problem for us because we have a Caesar, right, and a Herod, 
and we don't need insurrection. Exactly. And so that's the only thing he could use to convict Jesus on. Right. So he pulls Jesus aside, and at the same time he says the what is truth thing is in this question. Right. When he says, are you their king? Yeah. And Jesus basically doesn't deny it. He says, well, my kingdom's not of this earth. <laughs> so you have said, you know, he basically right. says, you said it, not me. <laughs> right. And so he doesn't deny it. He admits it. He confesses it. Right. I'm the king. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy here. Sure. He says, uh, Christ Jesus, who made his good confession before Pontius Pilate, to obey this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's appearing the blessed and only sovereign. Mm. He's the only sovereign. sovereign. Comes Amen. right out and tells us that. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords will reveal at, at the right time he alone possesses immortality and lives in unapproachable light whom no human has ever seen or is able to see to him be honor and eternal power. Amen. Amen. I mean, so much power in that. Sure. I mean, I was, I absolutely. I mean, you can't get it any clearer. He tells you right out, Jesus is the only king. That's right. And, and you have to bow before him either in this life or in the next one. Like, like you're either going to do it now or you're going to do it when it's too late. Exactly. <laughs> And so, so true. So whenever we look at this, there's three ways. That's the way we're saved in, in glory. That's the way we will be saved. Right. Is when we are sitting at the foot of the throne and worshiping. Mm. And we can only do that to one guy who's already there on the right hand of God. And so uh, this takes us back to this whole concept that solus Christus. Right. He's alone in every office that could ever save you. And there's, yet yeah, true, there's no other name by which you can be saved, but there's no other practice, there's no other anything by which you can be saved other than Him. Amen. And so that brings us to my simple math. Yes. Jesus plus nothing equals everything, which was a book written by uh, Billy Graham's grandson, Tullian, mm-hmm. and... And it's so true. I mean, if you think about it from a mathematical standpoint, you put anything in the nothing section, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you put anything in there, Jesus plus something equals nothing. That's right. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. nothing. So it's like you can flip the script on that. Sure. And see, if you add anything in your salvation, whether whether it's justification, sanctification, or glorification, you add Jesus, anything other than Jesus to it, you've lost it. That's right. And that's why it's so important. And it's why Martin Luther felt so compelled to do what he did and <laughs> the reformers to, to make this right. part of their statement of belief. It's a big deal. Into, their, into the Reformation. It, it's a huge deal. And so, you know, all three of these, so like, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that's the backbone. Mm-hmm. That's the message they were trying to get across because they were there were people all over the world hoping in Jesus plus the church. Mm-hmm. Jesus plus my indulgence. Jesus mm-hmm. plus my ability to confess everything I need to confess. Ugh. 
So, so next week we'll look at Sola Scriptura and see how that lines up with all of those. Yeah. And it's so cool watching it progress because, I mean, I'm ready to go into Sola Scriptura now because I've spent <laughs> all day on it. Right. And thinking how this fits perfect along the lines. Right. Um, because it needs to be. So next week, I'm looking awesome. forward to it. Sounds good. You got some news, man? Hey, I do. And now the news. Let me pull up my news. Hold on. Got your handy dandy Android phone. There. Android phone because I don't have my computer with me. Um. All right. I I got a couple really cool little news blurbs. NFL star Chris Long is giving away the rest of his salary to help undeserved kids. Wow. Um. Undeserved. Yeah, that's what underserved. Oh, underserved. Sorry. It's 930. Yeah. All right, you Philadelphia. Undeserving children. Undeserving kids. I'm going to give you my money. <laughs> Philly Eagles star Chris Long will play the rest of the NFL season for free. His base salary of one is $1 million, but this year he's giving all of his game checks away to help kids in cities he's lived in. Long has donated his first six checks to fund scholarships in the city of Charlottesville, where he went to college, and the remaining 10 will be used to launch his Pledge 10 for Tomorrow project. Wow. He made the decision to donate to Charlottesville following the violent protests by white supremacists this summer. The idea is that other people will be encouraged to also donate and help local education initiatives in three cities he played uh, in during his NFL career. Long will donate to charities that help underserved children receive education opportunities. Long has been a vocal advocate for helping communities and uh, and fighting racial injustice. Earlier this summer, he made headlines for putting his arm around teammate Mark uh, Malcolm Jenkins during the national anthem protest explaining to the Philadelphia Inquirer, I thought that it was important. The athletes with my skin color stood up with others protest, press, protesting for racial equality. I think that's absolutely awesome. Yeah. And a perfect way amazing. to respond to what's going on with mm. the racial yes. diversity thing. Yeah. So Chris Long, I applaud you. You're awesome. Um, speaking of donating, Kevin Smith. I don't know if you know Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah. Devout Catholic, <laughs> um, which cracks me up. Dogma because movie. He wrote the movie Dogma. Right. Uh, Clerks was his breakout. He's done several yeah. movies. He cracks me up. He's a little bit... Um, racy. Yeah, racy. So, you know... Comic book guys. He's like... Uh, yeah. He's got TV shows. Comic book guy's my favorite because it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, he talks about comics. Anyways, uh, he is donating all of the residuals from his wine, uh, Weinstein-related movies charity. I don't know if you've heard much about Weinstein in the news lately. Mm-hmm. Um, one of... Weinstein is one of the biggest directors oh, yeah. in Hollywood. Um, he or is... producers. Well, not anymore. He's lost his job... Um, he's completely fired from, is it MGM? I can't remember. I don't know. It's one of the big ones. Completely yeah. fired. So is this Bob or Harvey? There's two wines. Harvey. Okay. okay. I think they're brothers. Yeah. Um, because of all the sexual harassment allegations, mm. um, they've come to a head and he's probably going to get uh, convicted of. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of people in an uproar about it. It's actually what spurned the whole hashtag Me Too thing. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen that. 
Um, we'll talk about that in a second. A lot of people in Hollywood. I, think I get are, it though, right? A lot of people in Hollywood are doing their best to distance themselves from a one-time Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein in the wake of his monstrous allegations made against him in twin bombshells from the New York Times and New Yorker, but few are doing so with more gusto than filmmaker Kevin Smith, uh, Helmer of uh, cult classics like Clerks, Mallrats, Dogma. Smith is unusually tied to Weinstein since most of his early work came from the Weinstein-run Merrimax. Smith swears he didn't know about Weinstein's actions. He says he's sick about it, and he's putting his money where his mouth is. He's donating all the residuals from any movie he's made with a Weinstein connection to a nonprofit called Women in Film, uh, which advances women's equality in the film industry. As he gave this uh, expletive-laden quote on the <laughs> podcast, Hollywood Babylon, no blanking movie is worth all, all this. Like my entire career, blanket, take it. It's wrapped up in something really horrible. Um, so he was really upset. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, and so he basically said, I don't want any of that money. Mm-hmm. Because it's dirty money to me, right? Because of Weinstein's, uh, you know, wow, it's a big deal. So, yeah, that you know, uh, several women came out um, saying that they were sexually harassed, forced to do things with Weinstein wow. in order for parts and stuff like <laughs> that, and um, and so it spurned on a whole hashtag Me Too thing. Um, which is yeah, basically people saying I've yeah, been sexually was, assaulted yeah. too. Um, you know, and it it's a horrible, sad, sad truth. Hmm. So, um, let's see what else do I have? I'll tell you what, I got some uh, great old Pope news. Let's see. Yeah, brothers and sisters, come together. <laughs> Hallelujah, the Pope is here. They were supposed to be having lunch with Pope Francis. During his October 1st trip to Bol- uh How do you say that? Bologna. Bologna. Bologna or whatever. Uh, the Holy Father was scheduled to... Bologna. Bologna, yeah. The Holy Father was scheduled to dine with 20 prisoners from a local drug rehabilitation facility, along with refugees and poor of the area. During a lunch of solidarity at San whatever Basilica. Instead, two of the Italian prisoners shirked their invitations for what they saw as a prime opportunity for escape. According to the Valone newspaper, uh, Resto Caro, the prisoners escaped sometime during the hour, though it was unclear whether they uh, first ate their lunch. <laughs> they have not yet been found. <laughs> Pope Francis regularly includes prisoners in his trips and events, <laughs> including washing the feet of prisoners and on Holy Thursday <laughs> and holding a jubilee mass to prisoners in the Vatican last year. I can just in my head I can see this scene. The guy's, the guy's like, hey Harf. Tippy hey, toe and out. This is the best time we got. Let's make a <laughs> run for it. Quick, while the Pope's not looking. While everybody's looking at the Pope. Yeah, yeah while like, everybody's looking at the Pope. <laughs> like, slowly back out of the scene. Yeah. Uh, somehow, I kind of picture... Um, 
John Goodman and <laughs> <laughs> and what's the guy's uh, oh, John Forsythe gosh, yes. from uh, uh, Raising Arizona. <laughs> Get out of here. Ah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. All right. And uh, got one more. Today in church history, oh. up in our TARDIS. Go back in time. Uh, the best of them were as good as anything I shall live to see. John Wayne was speaking of the Thursday night meetings of the Inklings in Oxford. C.S. Lewis, Lewis was not only an intellectual giant, but a man with a gift of friendship. In the 1930s, a number of his friends began meeting informally in his rather shabby college rooms to read the writings and argue over every sort of literary and moral topic. The members shared a belief in the supernatural, which C.S. Lewis contrasted with naturalism in his book Miracles. Hmm. Um, one of the most famous members of the group was J.R.R. Tolkien, author of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. He liked the name Inklings because it suggested half-formed ideas and dabbling with ink. The group uh, were by, by and large Christian. Tolkien was a traditional Roman Catholic, and C.S. Lewis took the Christian story quite literally, as anyone knows who has read the books in, of his defense of faith. Lewis's older brother, Warren, was also embraced the Christian faith, writing in 1931, On Saturday the last, I started to say my prayers again, having discontinued doing so far for more than years I can remember. So, uh, on this date was the last Thursday night that they had, they would ever meet as the Inklings. Mm. Wow. Pretty cool. The end of the Inklings. The end of the Inklings was today. Wow. So, That's awesome. Yeah. So just think if there weren't there if there weren't any inklings, we wouldn't have hobbits or that's right. Well, we might, but I don't know lions. <laughs> yeah, Aslan. Aslan. So, anyways, that's all I got for you, man. Cool. Somebody listened to us last week and called in, huh? Uh, oh, wait a minute. You know, I don't. I didn't even check it to see because I was like, that was actually supposed to be. Email? Email. Okay. So, but before we do, I'll look here. Uh, oh! Something. No, someone's giving us a complimentary stay for something. I don't, <laughs> like junk. Woohoo! <laughs> junk email. Junk voicemail. That's awesome. No, the, uh, we did get a reply from Matt who com- who sent us yes. uh email last week. Awesome. And so he followed up. He says, hello again, Theonauts. I was just able to listen to the most recent episode, Sola Fide. I enjoyed it quite a bit, and not just because it got me through yet another boring work day. So, (laughs) in response to what you guys said about my uh, Calvinism and Arminianism question, I think y'all nailed it on the head. I was encouraged because when researching these, I had come to the exact same conclusion. We will not, all capitalized, be able to understand the mind of God. Mm. In fact, when reading Romans, you get to chapter 9, verse 20, which is God's response to man questioning him, in which he says, Who are you, O man? You answer back to God? (laughs) It wouldn't make any sense that man could even begin to fathom God fully, who transcends all of space and time itself and designed the very minds we use to try and understand him. 
Now, David, when you mentioned that a lot of people would say that it's all five points of Calvinism or none at all, and the same, unfortunately, can be applied to the Arminians' point of view, you were right. It's quite sad to me, and I would even say it undermines God's sovereignty. How can we begin to say, to even say what can and can't be done within the realm of God's power? Mm. I've heard it would be a paradox to not accept all five points of either side, but who's to say God can't even use a paradox? After all, that's just to say it seems logically incompatible to us. That's brilliant. I've never <coughs> thought of it that way. That's pretty clever and to, to answer that to way. To further drive my point, we already accept a paradox in the form of the Trinity. I don't believe our minds can 100% completely articulate a God who is three separate things but one being at the same time. Yet this, as it should be, is accepted with little dispute among Christians. Hmm. Also, I think saying Calvinism is more biblical in my last email might have been a poor choice of words because, as Jeremiah said, you can interpret Scripture to fit either view. And that doesn't mean I think that if Calvinist claims are completely right or wrong, along with the Arminians, both sides can make a compelling case. So, while naturally in our spiritual walk with the Lord, we will develop a theological perspective, what really matters is Christ. Amen. Wow. Woo! You must have known That's kind of fitting. Huh? We were going to talk about solus Christus. <laughs> That's awesome. Although, I feel as though we share the same thoughts on this. I, too, do not like the idea of camps as David said, and I would even say that the enemy uses this as a way to divide us, yes. to take our eyes off of Christ. Christ. That's good. <laughs> Lastly, I wanted to let y'all know that I thought of the question and sent it prior to even realizing that y'all would do a series on the Reformation. <laughs> it was shortly after that that I actually listened to the first episode, and it, it had to be a work of the Holy Spirit yeah. that led me to ask, I hope you guys find encouragement in that. That's good. But more than the work of the Spirit, what has to be the most encouraging thing for me are the compliments of my grammar. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. <laughs> Actually, the Texan in me was just a little ashamed that I didn't use y'all more. <laughs> Praying for the ministry that y'all do. Thanks again. Where, where at in Texas is he from? I don't know, Matt. Where you at, man? Let us know. Yeah, we're we're up Savoy Way. We're yeah. right by Sherman north, on the North Texas. North Texas, an hour an hour north of Dallas. That's right. So, come see us sometime. Yeah, y'all come back. Y'all come back now. You hear? All right, all right. You ready to get on out of here? Let's do it. Let's do it. Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and to (laughs) proclaim the good news to everyone. And to find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all our shows, (laughs) including Finding Christ in Cinema and the Secret Fire Podcast. Visit us on the internet at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Yeah! Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, your favorite podcast catcher. Be sure to rate us, because that helps us reach a lot, lot of people, a lot of folks. Yeah, a lot of folks. There are several ways that you can contact us. Several and, of them. And leave us some feedback. You send us an email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com, or you can call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-727-NOT. 
not tweet to us whatever that means on Twitter using that theonautical. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash theonauts. And if you like us and you want more theonauts, you just drop us a buck or two. We need that moolah. Patreon.com slash theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. And that way we don't got to rob trains. Don't forget to tune in again. Forward vast reaches. God's word with us. All right, Jeremiah. Thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. They're possibly cloning an army of giant Al-Qaeda guys. Uh...